This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. There is not a person alive anywhere in the world who does not crave fulfillment and joy. I have traveled the widths and the breadths of this world. I have studied the different cultures, both empirically and academically. And I can tell you there is not a single group anywhere in the world who would not crave fulfillment and joy in life. As the saying goes, we don't want much. We just want everything. The things that really matter. Back in the early 90s, my family and I went through a testing time. We went through times of trials. Illnesses that were known and illnesses were not known were hitting different members of our family all around the same time. But what I want to tell you is what God taught us as a family, what God taught my wife and I during these times. One of the most important lessons that we have learned in our Christian life was during those times of trial and testing. The Lord so graciously taught us the power of praise. The Lord so graciously guided us into the empowerment of the life of praise. The Lord lovingly led us to the higher life that can only come from knowing how to praise the name of Jesus, particularly in the tough times in life. So I want you to listen carefully. Take notes. Because there is a lot of confusion about that whole issue of the life of praise. There are people who think that praise means just singing some cute choruses. Uh, There are some churches that think that they are praising churches if they have what they call praise band. There are some people who call themselves, you know, they are a worshiping church if they have a contemporary service. As somebody said, contemporary now have become traditional. Um, We don't go with the fads of culture. We just stick with the Word. Because in reality, the life of praise is much deeper than all of this. The life of praise has a far greater meaning than all of this. The life of praise has the power within it to change your life. The life of praise has the power to strengthen your will. The life of praise has the power to feed your mind and to feed your intellect. The life of praise has the power to develop your faith. But above all, I want to tell you this day that the life of praise has the power to defeat Satan and sin in your life. Who you say, why is that? Very simply because the life of praise places us in a position of receiving the blessings of God. Praise flows from a relationship of love and devotion between you and the Lord. Praise brings us closer to the throne room of God. Praise changes us and matures us in Christ. In fact, praise reminds us of who we are and who God is and put things in perspective. Praise leads us into the surrender of ourselves to Him who loved us. That is why 
this series of messages are very important. I want to share with you from the testimony of C.S. Lewis, the great Christian philosopher. C.S. Lewis, when he was a, a brand new Christian, and therefore not quite mature in the faith, had a great deal of difficulty with this whole concept of a life of praise for God and to God. He had problem with the idea of praise. Some of you have trouble with the whole notion of the life of praise. I understand that. And that is why some of you find public praise of the Lord to be a chore. You feel uncomfortable. Some of you probably squirm to open public praise. That's because your private praise life is in need of help. Like C.S. Lewis, some of you bristle at the Bible's command to praise God all the time, in the good times and in the bad times. Here's what he said in those early days in his life. He said, we all despise the man who demands continued assurance of his own virtue, intelligence, and delightfulness. (laughs) And then he continued. And these words of the Scripture sounded hideous, like God was saying, what I want most is to be told that I am good and I'm great. He continued. It also seemed as if the psalm writers were bargaining with God. God, do you like praise? Well, do this and do this and I'll give you some praise. End of quote. And then as C.S. Lewis matured in the faith, as he grew in the knowledge of the Word of God and his relationship with the Lord, he began to understand the importance of the life of praise. He began to understand it as a way of daily surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in his life. In fact, that was the time when he came to this, a true and deep understanding of the life of praise. So I want you to listen to what he said some years later. Here's what he said. Only in the acts of worship and praise can a person learn to believe in the goodness and the greatness of God. And then he continued. God wants us to praise Him, not because He needs or craves in any sense our flattery, but because He knows that praise creates joy and thankfulness. End of quote. I want you to listen to me very carefully, please. Praise is not something that you do for God. Get that out of your head. Praise is not bribing God so He can give you what you want from Him. Get that out of your head. Praise is not just something you do in order to get on God's good side, and then you whack Him with your shopping list. No. That is the wrong understanding of the life of praise. What did God teach me and my wife and my family during that time, that difficult time of trial, was that praise places us in the very presence of God. That praise puts us in a different level in our walk with God. You say, but isn't God everywhere all the time? And that's what we teach kids in Sunday school, that God is everywhere all the time. Isn't that true? Absolutely, it's true. But the Bible said that God tabernacles. In fact, the word literally means that He pitches His tent in a very special way in the praises of His people. 
That means that He is present in a very special way when His people are lifting up praises to His name. Listen again. There is nothing greater in life than being in the presence of God in that very special time. And throughout the series of messages, I'm going to try probably preach less and praise more. I can't promise that. (laughs) But I'm going to try. But what I want to do today is to tell you about four things, four lessons that God taught us from the Word of God about the life of praise. Four things. Number one, praise reveals to us our true spiritual condition. That's what praise does. Reveals to us our true spiritual condition. The second thing praise does is it refocuses our personal destiny. The third thing praise does, it reestablishes God's reign over our hearts. And fourthly, praise reinforces our relationship with God. How can praise reveal to us our spiritual condition, our real and true spiritual condition? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, one of the verses I memorized early in my Christian life, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let me repeat this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is Jesus saying here? He is saying that you cannot separate what you say from what you're really thinking. (laughs) You cannot separate what you say from what you really believe deep down in your heart. You cannot claim that you speak what you don't really believe. You cannot claim that you don't speak what you really feel deep down. Because if your heart is full of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, what is going to emanate out of your lips and out of your words and out of your tongues are going to be words of praise and thanksgiving. Here's what Jesus is saying, that basically there is a fan built between your inner being and your mouth. And that fan belt is basically make sure that what's in there comes out. That's really how he made us. This is how he created us. This is who we are. Claim all the other stuff, doesn't matter. Because he's saying what's in there is going to come out. That's what the fan, now I know for some of us that fan belt gets a little loose sometimes. But when we need kind of a little bit tightening, I understand that. But nonetheless, that does not negate the connection between our minds, our thoughts, and our belief and what comes out of our lips. I think we all have sympathy with the saying that says, the mouth is the grocer's friend, the dentist's fortune, the auditor's pride, and the fool's trap. I think we understand that. We met people like that. They say that the eyes are the window of the soul, but the mouth is not always the door to the brain. But I want to give you a good piece of advice. If you are writing, write it down. When your mind goes blank, remember to turn off the sound. That's a freebie. That's on me. Here's what Jesus is saying. That what you express in words 
is what you believe deep down. Hear me right on this one. If you are a griping person and a complaining person all the time, you can't say, well, I just say these things, but I really don't believe them inside. That's not true. It is because you have an ungrateful heart. That's why you gripe all the time. That's why you complain all the time. And that's why people run away from you as far as they can get. (laughs) Now, if you did not know this, I'm glad to tell you. If you speak words of discontentment and words of dissatisfaction all the time, it is because you have a dissatisfied life and a dissatisfied attitude. If you speak critically all the time of people, it's not just because you got in the habit of talking critically of people. No, no, no. It is because you have a critical spirit on the inside of you that is coming out on those critical words. Hear me right on this one. I know, I know I stepped on a lot of toes, but listen to this one. Your praising lips are in direct proportion to your believing heart. Your praising lips are in direct proportion to your believing heart. Some people will say, well, I praise God in my heart and quietly. I don't just express it in words. Well, hogwash. <laughs> Jesus is saying... That your words are expression of your hearts. And if your heart is full of praise, you cannot keep your mouth shut. (laughs) You won't let your mouth express the praises that are in your heart. Praise reveals our spiritual condition. But secondly, praise refocuses our personal destiny. I mean, I don't have to tell you that this life hassles us. The best of us get hassled. When we face this life's problem, we are constantly overwhelmed. And and we see and feel so many things in life are harassing us. Paying the bills and and facing illnesses and dealing with cantankerous people and, and responding to many demands in life. They hassle us all day long. I know that and you know that. You say, but that's part of life. Yes, it is. But I want to ask you a question. What would happen to the person who only focuses on the problems of life and the challenges of life and all of the things that we're facing in our physical well-being. What will happen to that person? Very soon, and I mean very soon, within a few days, that person's identity, if he or she is a Christian, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's where our identity is, very soon that person's identity of who they are will become foggy will become misty. It's going to become unreal. Very soon, they will lose sight of their destiny of heaven. Very soon, they will slide into pessimism, cynicism, and into depression. Very soon, life loses its luster. It loses its joy, and it loses its excitement. And I want to tell you something. At that point, you really have two choices. You can choose of placing yourself in a posture of praise or keep in going in your foggy night. You can choose to be empowered by praise or embattled with your problems. 
At that point, you can choose to be strengthened by the wings of praise and praising of the name of the Lord or sink deeper into despair. Why do I say this? Because when I begin to praise the Lord, regardless of the problems that I'm facing, regardless of the difficulties, regardless of the testing times, regardless of the trials in my life, when I begin to praise the Lord, almost like a rusty machine, sometimes I can't even get it going, but you keep going and you keep going, sooner or later, you're going to discover that your eyes begins to lift away from your problem and focuses on your heavenly position. Your eyes are going to lift out of your current condition to think of your position in Christ Jesus. My eyes immediately begins to recognize the smallness of my problem and the greatness of God. Soon you're going to find, as I begin to praise God, that my eyes immediately begin to refocus on the reality of the size of my problem in relationship to the reality of the size of my God. My eyes shifts from the temporary to the permanent. My eyes begin to see with clarity my eternal destiny. My eyes begin to see God in the heavenly realm, where His power permeate, where His strength dominate, where His position is supreme. And this is how praise begins to refocus my destiny. Our praise of God refocuses us on what is really real and what is fleeting. Praise reveals our spiritual condition, but secondly, praise refocuses our personal destiny. The third thing I want to share with you is this. Praise reestablishes the reign of God upon our lives. The Bible is very clear. When it says God indwells the praises of His people, it means that God is now ready to take over. (laughs) I often say God never takes sides, He takes over. Trust me on this one. So how does he take over? Because your praise of him is your invitation for him to come and rule. That's your invitation to him. And that's why some people don't like to praise the Lord. (laughs) Because they know he's going to come and take over and they're not ready for that. Your praise is to him. In your praising of God, you're saying, God, you are my authority. You are my ruler. God, you are my king. God, you are my sovereign. That's what you're doing. And he comes in and he takes over. When you invite God to dwell in your marriage, be ready because he'll take over your marriage. When you invite God to come into your family, He'll take over your family. When you invite God to come into your business, He will take over your business. When you invite God to come into your church, He'll take over your church. When you invite God to come into your school, He's going to take over your school. And that is why praise is our foremost means of inviting God to take residence 
in our hearts. And therefore, we're inviting him to reign and rule supreme in our hearts. Praise is our foremost means by which we ask in God to take absolute authority over our lives, over our circumstances. Praise is our foremost means by which we are asking God to establish or reestablish his authority over us. And as I said, that's precisely why some people are afraid of the life of praise. And they'll say, I praise God on the inside. I don't have to speak it. It is my prayer that you change today and you begin to understand the relationship between what you say and God's presence and rule in your life. Because, you see, God does not like to share His authority. God does not like the 50-50 program. God does not like to share His rule. God does not like to share his power. God does not like to share his glory. That's who he is. He either takes over or he takes off. Let me repeat it. Either he takes over or he takes off. Now, some of you are getting theological heartburn right now. (laughs) Say, you mean I'm going to lose my salvation? Absolutely. I'm not talking about losing your salvation has nothing to do. When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and your name is written in the book of life, nothing changes that. But I'll tell you what you're going to lose when he does not dominate in your life, you're going to lose your joy. (laughs) Because when he comes in and takes over the reins, he brings joy with him. When he's out, no joy. Praise reveals our spiritual condition. Praise refocuses our personal destiny. Praise reestablishes God's reign on our hearts. Fourthly, praise reinforces our relationship with God. You know, one of the problems of all of us, and I think it's a problem with the human race, is that we kind of find it very easy to fall in love with ourselves. (laughs) We really do. Especially if we've got a little bit of success here, a little bit of success there, and whatever area of our life we're in, and if we do well, you know, all of a sudden we just think, man, you know, this, I'm really great. <laughs> I am God's gift to the universe. <laughs> I remember back in the days of seminary, if we were talking and we were debating the sovereignty of God and predestination, all these wonderful things that seminarians talk about, and, and this guy just said, no, 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 it's all up to me, it's all up to me, and it's, And finally, when he came closer to understanding that God has really chosen him and God called him, and he said, well, I think God made a good choice. (laughs) We can easily fall in love with our ability. We can easily fall in love with our intelligence. We can easily fall in love with our cleverness. We can easily fall in love and highly think of our knowledge and our abilities and our status or our class. We can easily begin to think, you know, I'm really the best thing since sliced bread. (laughs) But here's what praise does. Listen to me, please. Here's what praise does. Praise reminds us of who we really are and who God really is. What praise does is that it reminds me that I am a sinful human being redeemed and saved only by the pure grace of God. That's what praise does. Praise, what praise does, it places me 
and all of my limitations and all of my faults and all of my sins in the light of God's great forgiveness. That's what praise does. And reminds me of that power of forgiveness of God. What praise does is remind me that what a tiny fraction of God's love and wisdom and and power do I really comprehend. That's what it really does. What praise does, it makes us say with Job, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. But please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Some of you will, and I don't want you to, so let me explain what I mean. The reason of recognizing who really I am and who God is it's not so that I'm a walk through life and said, "May poor me, I'm a sinner, I'm unworthy, I can't do anything, don't ask me to serve, don't ask me to do anything because I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. I used to have one of those, you know, back in my first church in Australia, in Sydney. And when I got so kind of irritated, I used to be impatient when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> I got so irritated because every time I asked him to do something, oh, brother, you said, I'm unworthy. And I said, we know you're unworthy. Do you think if we didn't, we would ask you? <laughs> he took the job. No, 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 no. The purpose for it's not that. That's how people kind of twist the truth, twist the fact. On the contrary, being realistic about my sinfulness leads me to repentance and true Repentance brings me to a true appreciation of the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God. That's what it does. The more we are realistic about our weaknesses and our faults, the more we comprehend God's graciousness toward us. That's what praise does. The more I comprehend the graciousness of God, the more excited I am about serving Him. That's what really is all about. And that's why the Bible, from cover to cover, tells us that the secret of true fulfillment and joy in life, listen to me, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, you may not understand this. But I hope today you will so you can begin to understand it. The Bible from cover to cover tells us that the real secret of fulfillment and joy is a life of praising the Lord. Not just on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights. I'm talking about a life of praise. For example, if you would ask Isaiah, Isaiah, what is the secret? What is the purpose of life? He would tell you in 43, 20, and 21 that we might proclaim his praises. If you would ask the apostle Peter, Peter, what is the purpose of life? First Peter 1, 6 and 7, he would tell you that we may bring praise, glory, and honor to Christ Jesus. If you would ask the apostle Paul, Paul, what is the purpose of life? He would say to you in Ephesians 1, to the praise of his glory. 
If you would ask the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, what is the purpose of life? He would say in Luke 19, 38 to 40, for the praise of me. And when you do not praise me, the stones will. Shall we pray? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we ask that you would develop and build in us the mechanism by which we begin to learn the life of praise. Father, teach us, show us, and open our eyes to see that our strength, our joy, and our fulfillment, our identity, our self-image and self-esteem can only come from praising the name of Jesus. For it is in his name that I pray. Amen.